0: Welcome to Animorphs Anonymous, the podcast where we casually discuss the Animorphs one book at a time. I'm Casey. And I'm Alex. And we're going to talk you through the plot of each book. But more accurately, take you on tangent trips, factoid phrase, and say, well, actually, as much as possible.
1: Join us on the 1st and the 15th of each month, and we'll take you along on our mission. And we promise to have you back under the two-hour time limit. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a grave announcement to make. Incredible as it may seem, both the observations of science and the evidence of our eyes lead to the inescapable assumption that those strange beings who landed in the Jersey farmlands tonight are the vanguard of an invading army.
0: Um, share that gif with me now, finally. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, have,
1: I have it all ready. It's coming. Are you ready? I'm ready. ready. I'm worried you're going to be disappointed because I use this gif all the time because it's very applicable, but I especially felt it. With this book. Ah! Uh, yeah. Like, the entire fucking book. Yeah. I'm like, why is this happening? Yeah. Ugh. Uh, now I know what o- to
0: get you for the next
1: holiday, because there's a belt that says this. Everything hurts and I'm dying? Yes.
0: Yep. Yeah. Everything hurts and I'm dying. Dot com! Yep.
1: Um. <laughs> oh, God. Uh. Yeah, this this book was... Um, very rough um huh yeah holy fucking hell this was the closest I came to crying in an Animorphs book like I had tears in my eyes at one point oh fucking kill me
0: I'm so sorry
1: no it's okay (laughs) I think that means it was successful
0: yeah I mean I definitely it, it the whole feeling throughout this whole book was that things were like ramping up and very intense and like Everything is super fast-paced, like, really overwhelming at all times. But yeah. But do I ask you now what part you cried at, or will you tell me?
1: Uh, I'll tell you later. Okay.
0: Okay, because I have a guess. Okay. Fuck. I'll keep it to myself.
1: This book was just made so much worse by the fact that it was Axe, my favorite baby boy.
0: Yeah. Um, and there was a lot of exposition about, like... Alien politics versus human politics.
1: Mm-hmm. and kind of feeling like he has a foot in both worlds, but he doesn't, you know. Oh no. Oh.
0: I guess the place to start today, because I feel like once we get rolling into this book we're not going to stop.
1: Yeah, it's pretty constant. It's a it's a runaway train of despair.
0: It is. So let's talk about our author and then. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. So this one was Elise Donner, who we saw do 33 The Reunion. And I'm quickly scanning. I think the that was the union. only other. That time was a Marco book. Her. Yes, uh, da, 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 that's where he runs into his mother in the office building, and uh, they. Oh
1: yeah, and the mountain goat. Yeah. So <laughs> another very emotionally <laughs> compromising book.
0: Yeah, another really really intense
1: book. Okay. Yep. That's and a...
0: did not. Yeah, <laughs> she did not fail this time around either.
1: No. Wow. Wow <sighs> is
0: right. I, I almost said any last thoughts before we get into this book. Any first <laughs> thoughts before we get into this book?
1: I don't... Like, I'll be interested to see what you thought about all the characters and whether or not they were in character. Because um, mm-hmm. there were times I kind of felt... I felt like something was off, but I wasn't quite sure what yeah. it was. Um, and, like, it's not too distracting because, like, there's so much action going on, but... I don't know. I'm interested to see what what you think at the end when we do character ratings.
0: I agree with that for sure, and I'm thinking one person in particular. Um, But I'll put an asterisk disclaimer right up top here. There was so much action stuff in the book that I I didn't spend a lot of time talking about the characters' exact Mm -hmm. interactions, yeah. Um and my notes are already uh just brushing eight pages, like a paragraph into eight pages. So like and that's without like a lot of the character interaction happening. So Yeah. Um there's mentions of it, but yeah, we'll I, I think we'll probably have to dissect it a little more sure in the character readings. Cool. Cool. Let's do it. Well, this book opens exactly where we left off last book with Jake mm-hmm. talking to the Andalites. Ah, oh, so cool. Yeah, I loved that. <laughs> Me too. Like, this has never happened to us before.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Oh, I loved it. Um, he's announcing himself as the Resistance on Earth, and Jake tells the Andalite that the Anati planet was a decoy. They are hiding draken cannons in the asteroid fields, and they plan to take out the majority of the Andalite fleet. The Endolite on the other end of this communication treats Jake with suspicion, saying he expects that they're lying to him out of desperation because he knows their situation on on Earth, and they they think basically he's trying to trick them. Um, so, Ax asks permission at this point to step in, and Jake grants it, and he says to the Endolite that what Jake says is true. They got it directly from Visor One, whose host they captured and liberated, and they've destroyed the Yurk. And the Endolite kind of. Considers this for a moment, and then he says, The brother of war, Prince Elfangor, deserves to be heard, so they will take this to the council. But reports of Axe's actions have reached the Andalite homeworld, and they think that his loyalties might be a little confused. And right then is when Tobias goes, Let's get out of here. There's bug fighters on the way. We got to move now. So they cut the transmission. Jake tells Axe to grab this transmission box. While everybody goes to their birds of prey morph. They got to get out of there because not only now do they not want anybody seeing that they're kids, but also remember Marco's dead. So nobody can see Marco. Mm Mm-hmm. The last thing Jake yells is for Axe and Tobias to not let them get the communicator. Axe grabs it, runs over the dunes. He and Tobias are cut off by two controllers with drake and beams. Tobias swoops in, takes one out, and Axe knocks the other guy out with his tail blade, and they take off. And that is chapter one. (laughs) Hooray!
1: Fucking Andalites.
0: Fucking, yeah. Fucking Andalites. And like, holy shit. (laughs)
1: I do huh. like that they brought back um, the whole, like, Axe loyalty thing from, like, way the fuck back in the series when yeah. he said, yes, I gave the, the Animorphs the, the morphing power.
0: And, like, the fact that that's coming back to bite him in the ass now, mm-hmm. because. Yeah. Oh, my God. Between that and, like, I'm assuming um, the Andalites that came to Earth with Astrid uh, were also reported probably some behaviors that weren't.
1: The ones Great. that lived. But
0: yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the ones that lived. <laughs> but they're criminals. Um, How much could it possibly mean?
1: Yeah. I guess status really matters in the Andalite community. Yeah. Um, this also answered my questions about One uh, last book, because I was like, yeah. How did, I thought she went to a different system. How did she get back here? But you summed that up in the first fucking page, so thank you, <laughs> That's why we're doing it one
0: book at a time. Right? <laughs> yeah. I don't remember what I told you, but it was probably something like, I don't know, maybe they got promoted. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you knew. Yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> cool. Um, but I also think I very seriously told you a long time ago that I don't ever re- remember meeting Vizzer 2, and that stood. Like When we started reading this book, I'm like, oh, yeah, we do meet Wizard 2, but it was just such a, like... Yeah. Non important thing in my mind that I had forgotten completely.
1: Visitor 2 has one character trait. <laughs> so
0: Visitor 2 and two other characters surrounding him in that moment are all interchangeable to me.
1: Like Yeah, yeah, I was they, confused half the time. Yeah,
0: and honest. especially when they're like, let's start calling them by name. I'm like, how about let's not? Like Ugh. fuck. Yeah. Uh although I did remember one I'm just gonna spoil this. One of the characters' names is Plummer, Captain Plummer, and I definitely <gasps> read Christopher Plummer every single time. We <laughs> do Excellent. Which Love I think it. is appropriate because he yeah. was a captain. So uh-huh. I'm just waving my arms around, which is really good
1: audio. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. I'm so glad you, you thought that, because I also thought that.
0: I did. So, anyways, yeah, I guess we do at some point in the series meet Visitor 2. Not that it fucking matters, but yeah, uh, okay.
1: Well.
0: <sighs> okay. Um, Let's keep going on this nonstop goddamn thrill ride. <laughs> so, X is hanging out in his and Tobias' scoop. It is now a shared domicile,
1: for like i their roommates. roommates. <laughs> oh, my too. God, they're
0: roommates. And they were roommates. (laughs) Uh, Sharms forever. (laughs) Doing stuff together. (laughs) Oh my god. Anyways, so they're hanging out in their scoop. And Marco's also there being very agitated and changing all the channels repeatedly and flipping through literally hundreds of channels because it is mentioned multiple times that Axe has broken into all of Cable. (laughs) And like... (laughs) can get got any HBO. channel. He's got HBO. He's got Stars. He's got Cinemax. I don't know if any of these were around in the 90s or if they cost money, but here we are. Pretty sure um,
1: HBO was around because I think that was Sopranos era. So,
0: I've never watched The Sopranos. I have not either. I know there's a scene with a horse head in a bed. That is The Godfather, I believe.
1: Fuck. But, you know, they're both mafia, so it makes sense.
0: Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. I mean, I believe you. I believe you wholeheartedly because I know nothing. It's just I have to rewire everything I've ever thought about this now.
1: The only reason I know about the horse head in the bed is because Hey Arnold did a parody episode of The Godfather and the kid had a rocking horse and and the guy put the rocking horse head in the bed.
0: (laughs) Uh, Do you know how many people are screaming at their
1: podcast <laughs> yeah. app right now. Sorry, everyone. We don't watch things. <laughs> we just watch fucking Free Willy and Lord of the Rings over and over.
0: And Flyway Home. I can yes. answer any questions about Flyway Home. <laughs> and Jurassic <That> being... Park. <laughs> and Jurassic Park. That being said, I've not seen Flyway Home since we graduated, so.
1: I feel like you flew yourself home outed. I, that was I really badly would... phrased.
0: I would watch it if it were on TV, though. And a probably... <sighs> anna paquin she's fucking amazing anyways okay so which by the way i only got into anna paquin because of x-men and i loved her in x-men so much and i only got into x-men because of animorphs because iceman was Jake.
1: it all
0: connects it all comes together in the end this is why never mind okay moving on (laughs) um so Marco is ranting about how complacent everyone in the world is and how nobody expects a world war, and if they just walked up to the average person on the street and said anything about fighting a war, they'd all be laughed at because everybody is just stupid and awful.
1: Uh, Which is harsh in hindsight because, like, fucking the Iraq invasion happened, like, a few years later.
0: (laughs) There was so many... So many things happened in this book where I was like, oh, man, like... Did, like, so much of this takes on a different meaning, reading it in 2020. Like, uh-huh.
1: Oh, no. Fucking, they, they stopped they the iraq Invasion. Well, they Well, I bet they fucking stopped the iraq Invasion, and then September 11th happened. It was like, can I not cut a break here? Oh, no. Why is everyone fucking terrible? Anyway.
0: There is a really, not to, again, derail, but I will, and then bring it right back. But there is a really interesting... Um, radio lab that just came out recently about how it's like called 60 words. And it was about the um, thing that was signed into power right after September 11th that allowed the president to declare war and how like, it's so open-ended that it was supposed to only be about September 11th. But like, that's how like presidents have still been able to use like military force to go in oh, and shit. like execute people with drones and shit. It's really wow. interesting. Yeah. Hooray. Anyway, so that's my recommendation. Radio Labs words. tell the current
1: administration about this.
0: They already know that's how he got in and was able to kill uh, that guy with a drone strike.
1: Hooray! Yeah, I hate using... I everybody.
0: He's using this addendum. Anyways. Fuck. Let's repeal that shit. <sighs> there is anyway. only one person to vote against it in all of the Senate. So... And she was interviewed, and she's very cool. Anyways, moving right along. Okay. So... Uh, Marco's rant is interrupted by a garbled transmission coming from Axe's new iMac. <laughs> I died!
1: <laughs> He's got the fucking clamshell-colored iMac. Oh, my God. What
0: color do you think he got?
1: I mean, it, he mentions it later, right?
0: Does he? I didn't write it down if he did. Yeah, it's lime. Aw. he got green. Oh, of course he did. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this is the... My favorite mention, one of my favorite mentions of the book where he goes like, oh, Rachel got it for me on her credit card. She informs me I owe her big time in quotation marks. <laughs> like, he doesn't know what owes her big time means, but he just thought it was worth mentioning in this moment.
1: Yes. And he said several months of her credit card allowance. And I'm like, how many is several? How much allowance does Rachel fucking get? Because those IMAX were like at least $1,000
0: yeah, at the like, time, I believe. Her dad's probably siphoning her pity money for the divorce. Oh, yeah.
1: I'm not around anymore.
0: So you can have $300 a month. And she's probably like, no, I'll have to buy like 10 less outfits. (laughs) God. (sighs) Anyways, Axo's her big time. Yes. And Marco goes, what was that? And Axe is like, well, I've been working on this program using the technology that Marco's dad assisted him with. And he's like, I do always believe in giving credit where credit is due, even if it is with a human man.
1: (laughs) Aw,
0: kind of sweet, I guess. So cute. Uh, So basically, they've created an interceptor that listens in on locally sourced Yerk transmission. But unfortunately, due to the limitations in technology, it's only successful about 30% of the time. And that's when they hear a few sentences about Viscer One's plan and Visitor Two coming in, blah, 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 the council commending it and how pending approval they're going to move forward. And all three of them are like, oh, What? <laughs> <laughs> this is a lot. This is so much. And then instead of cutting to the bar now, what happens? Which, again, like first time ever. Axe is like, I hate this technology, this sucks, I can't get anything done on this computer, and he's like, I just can't make it work with what we have here. And Marco's like, well, this iMac is a toy for idiots, and it's not a government (laughs) supercomputer. Marco's really talking a lot of sense in this book, and I appreciated it. (laughs) Yeah. Like, if we break into the government supercomputer, we'd have a lot more power at our disposal. And Axe is like, okay, like, that makes sense. Let's break into it. And then Marco's like, we can't fucking break into it. Are you insane? (laughs) Like, He's like, that's not right. And we'll get thrown in jail if the NSA finds out. Real jail time! And Axe is like, it is very frustrating when humans flip-flop on their stances, and it always seems to happen around this thing called the situation, in quotation marks, or circumstances. Um, and then he goes to Marco and he goes, hey, Marco, what about when you said that nothing is right anymore and we're just going to have to make it amends after the war? And Marco, instead of arguing a point back, just goes, do you know how annoying it is to quote someone's own words back to them? Yes. <laughs> Yes. Although, I do. to be
1: fair, to be fair, to be fair, um, it would be really easy for them to break out of prison. I'm just saying.
0: <laughs> and also, their children—they would not go to prison. Yeah, <laughs> they would go to juvie, which I think you can just walk out of, basically. Yeah. So, it would all be fine. Unless they got tried as adults. I don't think they
1: could be tried as because don't you have to be a minimum age to be a tried tried as an adult? I don't know. I'm thinking about those girls that stabbed their friend in the name of Slender Because yeah, I think they we're... were only like 12 and they got tried as adults. But hmm. that I mean, that was a, you know, very di- different case. sort of crime. Yeah. But yes.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, it wasn't murder. She didn't die. But yeah, yeah but
1: it was attempted murder.
0: Attempted murder. Yeah. Which
1: for a 12 year old, that's pretty heavy. But that's neither here nor there. Da 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 da.
0: I just got lost in this whole thing. That was one of the murders that when I saw My Favorite Murder Live, they did. So anyways, they decide they have to break into the NSA computers. Axe writes up a program in like 20 minutes and proceeds to hack into the database while securing them blah 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 after a few tense moments where marco and tobias keep asking him what is happening because like it's a very intense like computer hacking scene for axe but both marco and tobias are just literally watching him like calmly type on the computer so they're both like (laughs) what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and then in the best moment of all time tobias goes axe you sure this is secure and they're not going to be able to try trace it back to us Ax just slowly and dramatically turns one stock eye towards Tobias, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and Tobias apologizes.
1: (laughs) Loved Uh, it.
0: I love that so much. So um, once Ax gets in, they use their more powerful computers to run the Yerk transmissions through. They find out that Visor Three is now Visor One, and Visor Two is on his way to Earth to see this plan into action, and they get a bunch of numbers. Now the kids meet up at the barn. Yay. Now that they have evidence, now that they've taken action, and I am loving this new world. Uh. They meet at the barn. Marco tells everybody what they heard, and he is telling them about the transmission and about Visor Three's promotion of Visor One. So everybody who listens to this podcast that doesn't read the books, Visor Three is now Visitor One <laughs> in red lights. Visor Three is Visor One. So Hooray. this same guy, new title. Ugh, um, that's gonna
1: get confusing.
0: I mean Ugh. it it will, but at least it's not like the, the Horkbizer Chronicles because it's not like we're gonna flip flop back and
1: forth. Oh, that's like true. he stays Vizor one. I'm fucking visor thirty six.
0: Yeah, sub Viza thirty two.
1: Cause apparently promotion is very arbitrary.
0: <sighs> yes, it is. I mean, if you can get promoted only for stealing a pretty rad host body, it like there's no like business plan to move through the ranks here like, a guide to help you get promoted to where you want to go. This isn't corporate America. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, so, visitor 3 is visitor 1. They're concerned about what this means for their future. They're like, what the fuck are we gonna do? Like, this means that the open warfare plan is probably gonna happen... And so they try coming up with, like, well, what do Yerkes fear? Like, because we have to have some advantage. And Marco's like, well, they still don't have the resources that humans do and hope. And Rachel's like, you cannot win a war with hope. And Marco's like, yeah, you're right. You can't win a war with hope. Uh, And then Marco's like, and, like it or not, we have no space weapons, so if the humans go to war with the Yerks, which is, by the way, 14 steps down this fucking road, (laughs) there's no way that they can fight it, because humans don't have any space force until recently, America, (laughs) where we've started Starfleet for some reason. Oh, yeah. Uh, The Yerks would still win. Yerks are more powerful. Anyways. This is 20 years down the line. We need not speak of this. <laughs> Marco also mentions that, like, you know, the Yerks only need a portion of humans because, like, the reason they like humans as a species is because of their sheer numbers. But there are still more humans, way more humans than Yerks. So they could just openly slaughter people that were not controllers, and it would still be fine for the yerks. Uh And... Jake kind of derails at this point. He goes, Axe, do you think the Andalite fleet is going to come? And this brought this huge, like, mm-hmm. kind of churning of emotions within Axe. He is like, I had hoped to go back to my own people one day and live on my own planet and maybe have my own family. But I with also... Estrid. With, he does mention Estrid. He name drops Estrid. But that's, like, the only female Andalite he's seen in, like, the past, <laughs> the however The only long. girl
1: in the whole world
0: literally the only girl in the whole world and she's mm. not even in the world anymore also
1: she's crazy
0: hey i mean we've all been there right
1: <laughs> they'd have some super smart babies though
0: oh my god terrifyingly smart and would like cinnabon anyways <laughs>
1: <Okay>. <laughs> anyways yes
0: yeah so it's it brings this whole thing about an axe how he's like he wants to say yes his people will come but he's not happy with anything that happened with his own people and Mm -hmm. he doesn't have the same confidence with them anymore since being exiled on earth and he loves his friends on earth and he considers them a family as well but (laughs) he's uncomfortable with humanity as a whole and they bring up the the um time travel book the megamorphs where they Mm -hmm. hop through time um and so he's like the horror and the brutality and the history of what humans have done is also unacceptable, and I don't know what to do. And, like, he takes so long thinking through this that Jake again asks him, Axe, do you think the Andalites are coming? And Axe answers, I honestly do not know. Which is crazy. Oh, Yeah. Like, because this, for 46 goddamn books, we have been fighting based on the fact that the Andalites were coming, and we are holding out until they get here.
1: Yeah, that's been the main source of hope, and now it might not even happen. Yeah. (sighs) That's huge. It's so heavy. Oh my god.
0: Yeah. And this is like a few chapters into the book. Like, this is our starting point that we're framing the rest of this book within. And it's so...
1: what, What follows is just so fucking, like, compelling and good and realistic about what would happen in that situation and i just i love it so much and i hate it but i love it
0: yeah so this is one chapter where i really i tried to sum it up but please add to this whatever stuck out to you as well because i don't think i captured all of it so i'll just go through it and then add to my story please okay um so at this moment all of the Animorphs start to take a stand. Jake declares that the Yerks want Earth. They are moving to take it now, but he does not want them to have it. He doesn't want to give in. And all of the team round tables and they go to each member who contributes to their stance on how they have to hope that the Yerks are moving to take over, but it really feels as though at this moment they're at a tipping point. And now is the time that they have to throw everything they have at the Yerks. Mm-hmm. They're hoping... That if they could hit back hard enough now, they might be able to stop a worse fate. And Marco reminds Axe, like, oh, hey, hand over the numbers from that transmission they heard earlier. And he he gives it to Jake, and both Jake and Marco agree, these are coordinates and times. So they look into it, the coordinates being about 20 miles out to sea. And after some hesitation, Jake goes, well, there's only one way we're going to get there in time. Because the time that is listed with these coordinates is seven and nine hours away there's two and that the morph that they need to get there is human and most of the team is on board but cassie pushes back she's like no we can't do that i don't think that now is the time to abandon our morals we've come this far without giving in we cannot give that up and jake goes over to her and grabs her hands and he just continues to hold her hands and tells her you're right but we're at a tipping point right now. And I, I think that we're right about this. And I think that we have to push back. And we can't give up now. Because I can't not do anything. We have to. We have to move to save people. And if open warfare happens, whole cities would die. We're talking acquiring one person or a few people without their permission to save many people. This is something we have to do. And Cassie is kind of arguing back throughout this speech, but once he gets to the end of it, she doesn't agree, but she says if there's someone she trusts to do what, do what's right, it's him. And Axe is uncomfortable watching all of this, and he can't help but be amazed at how humans, his friends, can devise a plan while still arguing from both moral sides of the coin. And he also kind of muses on the fact that the whole fate of the world is in the moral areas of a bunch of children. <laughs> and this gray area plan... It reminds him more of the Andalites than the humans, the whole we have to do this thing and sacrifice our morals because of war. This all ends with Marco agreeing with Cassie that they trust Jake, but then he turns to Rachel and says, you, not so much, and she flips him the bird. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) That's a fucking intense chapter! Yeah. Um, fuck. Wow. Wow. Yeah, like, in this one chapter, that took so many plot points of so many books we've read and Mm -hmm. just turned it on its head.
1: (sighs) The only thing that made me kind of go, wait, but, was um, they have acquired and morphed humans before. Um, The only one I can think of was during the David Saga where they got that bodyguard like they didn't like do anything with it cuz they were they were planning on like jumping out of the column with it but they ultimately mm-hmm. didn't end up using it yeah so i think that might be kind of the main exception there but like I-, I thought there was like one other point where they morphed a human and not counting Cassie morphing Rachel
0: yeah that's i feel like every time they have up until this point and like i'm i'm blanking like i think you're right but i'm i'm totally blanking on the situation you're talking about but i think for the most part it's been like relatively with permission of some sort or, like, with some sort of caveat attached to it as opposed to, like, what they're doing now, which is, like, uh, acquire whoever's convenient and go for it.
1: Yeah, like, they they go super balls to the walls with this Mm -hmm. now. Yeah, Um, I'm, like... You know, I, I identify with Cassie as a character kind of the most, but at, in this moment, when Rachel was like, oh, fuck yeah, finally, I was like, I agree with Rachel. I'm really excited to see where this goes.
0: <laughs> yeah, Rachel is, hell yeah, finally we get to do this thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think this is one of the first books where we see multiple instances of like Rachel flips him off and it says like makes a rude hand gesture or like, so-and-so mm-hmm. swore, and I was told it's a word you can't say in play company. Like, we're seeing a lot of, like, mm-hmm. shit
1: go down. Yeah, they're just... It kind of adds to the idea that they're just now doing things with, like, reckless abandon.
0: Yeah, it does. It super
1: does. And it's... Yeah, and it's so kind of minor, but it, it just kind of adds to it, and it's, yeah, very compelling.
0: It, like, adds an edge. Mm-hmm. Like... Not only, like, we can tell in every action that they're starting to fray more and more, Mm -hmm. and this is part of it. Yeah. I will say here, and probably a few other times, this is the start of where, like, I'm not sure I believe Cassie would roll over this easily. Okay. And I don't know if this is part of a larger conversation that has been happening throughout the books between Jake and Cassie, and we're kind of seeing, like, a few, like, sparks of it or endpoints of it. But like, once Cassie was like, "I trust you to do the right thing." I totally believe she would say that. I totally believe that she believes that. It just felt like the argument happened in hyper speed. Like it should have yeah. taken a little longer between them. Yeah. Then again, we made this whole fan fiction up in the Tobias book about this, so <laughs> let's subscribe to my own theories here, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Shall we move on? I guess so. Let's start getting crazy. (sighs) This is where the action starts and it never stops.
1: It really doesn't.
0: Axe walks into the locker room at the Air Force Base, interrupting a rousing conversation about retirement funds. Hooray. Hooray. Adults are boring. Adults are super boring. And yet I was like, wait a minute, go back to that conversation because... (laughs) That was my retirement plan, and now I've realized I got my retirement plan from Animorphs. Wow, that's amazing. Did not realize that till he said it. (laughs) Wow. But yeah, so all that shit talking about withholding some money in case shit goes south and you're making risky investments. Yeah, that is a good idea. Fuck everyone who said otherwise. (laughs) Not the point. There are two people in this room, a man who went to scream as he saw Axe, and Axe immediately knocks him out, and a woman who hissed, Andalite. And Axe replied,
1: Yerk, before knocking her
0: out into Marco's arms.
1: Andalite! Yerk.
0: It was so bad axe. I know! Oh, Axe. Yeah, Axe then gives the all clear for the other Animorphs to demorph, because there's no one else in this locker room, and they grow from fleas into themselves. Axe acquired the male pilot, and it's decided that Rachel is going to acquire the female pilot because she has, in quotations, nerves of steel, which Axe later speculates still will not help her fly a plane. (laughs) But whatever. (laughs) Uh So this is... Axe talks about how this morph gave him some hesitation, but it wasn't from the perspective of, I want to get permission from him or like this is a sentient creature and i feel like i need i can't invade his space and do this to him it was more like i don't want to be a human because being a human gives me such a sense of belonging and i don't know if i want to feel that right now
1: i love that so much yeah oh my god i hope this isn't foreshadowing (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. That was so powerful. Oh,
0: It was. Like, I think it was so powerful for a few different reasons. Because on one hand, it's like he's respecting the whole sentient rule that his friends have come up with. But that's not where he's coming from in this moment. And I loved that difference. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he, like, feels like he belongs. Mm-hmm. Ugh. But Axe goes through with it because we are on a mission. <laughs> Axe and Rachel confidently walk up to the aircraft where the maintenance crew is saluting them, and they quickly knock them the fuck out and drag them away and jump into the plane. <laughs> <laughs> They strap themselves into these special seats, Axe taxis and takes off without any interference, and Rachel's like, dang, that went smoothly. And Axe is like, ah, I fear the rest of the mission won't be so easy. And Rachel's like, pessimist, and Axe shoots back, realist, which was, like, <laughs> fucking hilarious. I loved this. Yes. Uh, so, um... The radio then crackles on, and they hear ground control ordering them to land. They're like, you took off without clearance and five minutes ahead of schedule. You need to come back here. You're also off of the test route. They ignore it, and then a moment later, whoever is on this radio is like, land now or you will be shot down, whoever you are. And they're like, oh, fuck, they must have found the ground crew and the pilots that we knocked out and shoved into lockers like middle school bullies. (laughs) Then two planes come up on either side of them a few moments later, and Axe says a quick warning to Rachel before easily just shooting off and outstripping these guys. And Rachel was filled with maniacal glee at the whole, like, hitting G1 forces and, like, blah, oh my God. I know. And that's 1G, not G1. Whatever. Very quickly, they make it out of the first out to the first coordinates they outstrip these planes they're totally out of there marco is bitching because he's already pissed off that he couldn't feel the effects of the f-16d plane and also he can't ride a roller coaster because he's allegedly dead and he's all
1: pissed god Um, freaking being dead is like giving him all sorts of new joke material and i love it
0: yeah i appreciate all of his dead jokes for sure
1: (laughs) I also,
0: like, really appreciate his frustrations with suddenly not being able to move around in the world as easily as he could.
1: Yeah. Because, like, you know it's legit, but also it's just Marco being Marco.
0: Yeah. And it's also that thing of, like, when you're, uh, however old they are now, you know, between, like, probably 13, 14, 15, somewhere in there, like, you're like, no school, hell yeah, I'll be dead. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, but also no burgers and no video games and no, oh <gasps> shit I didn't think this through I wonder
1: how Tobias feels about that <laughs> like you know Marco's always over there scooping like man I can't have all these things and maybe Tobias is like well I haven't been able to have those things in a very long time or maybe he's sympathetic I don't know
0: that's a good question mm-hmm. or just, I'm basing this entirely off of Tobias's whole, like, my eyes are better than yours, blah, blah, blah. Maybe he's like, huh, I remember when I wanted those things, you <laughs> fool. <laughs> like, really superior. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, that would be a really funny and, like, harmless Tobias thing that I feel like he would do. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so they make it to the coordinates and they find a giant ship named the USS George Washington. Which pisses Marco off, again, that there's a cool ship there, and then he gets, like, very entrenched in this whole conversation they start having about, like, oh, also there are nuclear submarines, and blah, blah, blah. And all the boys start to, like, nerd out together. And after a few <laughs> minutes of that, Rachel's like, Cassie, do you feel left out? And Cassie's like, yeah, but I'm not disappointed about that. Uh <laughs> uh, Shit gets real very quick here because they are spotted by the carrier and they need a plan to get aboard but also this carrier may fire on them at any moment because it knows that that plane should not be there and so jake goes okay axe get out ahead of the carrier drop down into the water and this is i think one of the greatest kind of moments here of just getting into Axe's head. Like, this is when it got really real for me. Yeah. So like the Animorphs all start doing their sniping thing where they're doing the jokes in the background and Axe like starts off with like one of Marco's like jokey complaints. And it literally trails off mid sentence and Axe is like, my friends kept talking, but I was so focused because I had to do these calculations. How am I going to get everybody out of here without killing us all? And while all of them are dicking around in the background, Axe, like, is doing this super intense calculation of how they're going to do this, and he rockets out in front of the carrier, and he kills the engine, and everybody starts going, whoa, 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 what are you doing? And Axe goes, we can't hit the water at top speed without dying, so I'm working on this crash landing if you could all fucking stop. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And Axe is also having this debate like well they also can't find these human bodies in the water like they we can't let them know that any of us are human but also they can't find the pilots that we morphed so he's doing like calculations on top of this of like how do i get rid of the bodies if i have to Mm. so while he's doing that He works it out, gets onto the water, he crashes belly down into the water, and the cockpit immediately shatters apart, and freezing water spills in on him and Rachel. Axe starts demorphing, and it's his Andalite mentality as well as his human mentality that are both panicking because they're trapped in the harness and trapped in this pressure suit, and he's demorphing, trying to tear it apart and just hoping his tail blade comes so he can cut his way out of there, and all thought of his friends are like is gone like they're on him as fleas and he's like i'm morphing it doesn't fucking matter where they go or what happens to them um and he does manage to morph to the point where his tail blade appears he cuts his way out of the suit He is fully andalite now. He kicks his way to the surface and only then does he start going like, oh shit, I morphed with my friends on me as fleas. And he starts looking around and luckily everybody is alive, which he mentions was pure luck. Like this is fucking amazing that they're all alive because he did not think they would all live through this. Um, And he sees them floating around in various stages of demorphing or morphing. Um, most notably with Rachel holding Tobias under one human arm as she starts morphing to Seagull. Which is <laughs> <Just> cute.
1: <laughs> also, also. Yeah. Um, The thing that was getting me about the whole, like, he's trying to land the plane and not kill everybody was he started, like, reciting his fucking death, like, thing that the Andalites do.
0: Yeah, he did. All of the, um, whatchamacallits the rituals.
1: Yeah. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. No.
0: Yeah, that's how sure he was that this was not going to work. Yeah. Oh, God. It's intense. It's fucking intense. Meanwhile, the rest of the team behind him is like, "Hurt, derp, derp, derp. Like, <laughs> we don't know what's going on. Yeah, I mean, that was like, like, I know there's a lot of moments in here where we're like, we got to remember these are just kids. But that was one of the most poignant moments for me where it was like they truly don't understand sometimes how much danger they're in like they're so blind to a lot of it because they're idiot kids that think they're gonna live forever and there's no way to kill them even though they understand that they may die they know the risk there's still that inherent thing that like children and teenagers have where you go like fall down 30 stairs and like pop right back up like i'm okay (laughs) haha like yeah That was just such an intense moment of that. And then Axe running the actual, like, calculations was... Yeah,
1: the contrast between their frivolity and his, like, oh my god, I have to save everybody is just very, oh very intense.
0: It was super intense. And I'm glad we were in Axe's head for that moment. Mm -hmm. Yes. So Jake tells them all to get to Seagull before they're spotted. They do. They land on the ship. So listen, this chapter (laughs) is barely a conversation it is a description of this ship
1: yeah it's a wikipedia article on an aircraft carrier
0: it is (laughs) and i understand some people like that so we're gonna go through a bulleted list of this next chapter thank fucking great because much like rachel i don't give a shit so here it is (laughs) (laughs) the uss washington it's a nimitz class Ship, Which is the biggest ship in the world, made by the Newport News Shipbuilding Company out of Virginia, deployed in 1975. Wow,
1: this is already, like, way too much. (laughs) I googled
0: this because I needed help. (laughs) (laughs) These are the big flat ships with the rotating platforms to shoot jets off of it,
1: everybody. For anyone who's not into it. (laughs) Yep. Me. It's got the big, tall control tower thing on top of it. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yes. And I... I Googled it, and I was looking at other aircraft carriers because they did, like, a side-by-side comparison. it's literally, like, an aircraft carrier, an aircraft carrier. A Nimitz is, like, aircraft carrier on steroids. It is taller, it is wider, it is longer. It's a fucking floating city is what we're getting at here. That's so cool. Yeah. It looked pretty cool. So Google it. It literally just Nimitz class. It pops right up. It is 1,092 feet in length, 252 feet wide. The flight deck area is about four and a half acres, Jake thinks. It can go 30 plus knots, which is a little over 34.5 miles per hour. 85 to 90 aircraft total on board. This includes an F-A-18C Hornet, uh, multiple of those, E-20C Hawkeyes, um, EA-6B Prowlers, and F-14D Tomcats. A tomcat is the one that is in the step back of this book. A hornet looks exactly like that tomcat, but with a tinier, or sorry, larger nose. The eyes are ones with stupid discs on top of them that look like the mounting part of the Starship Enterprise was hacked onto an airplane. Never seen one before. No clue what that disc part's for. Didn't bother Googling it past the name. And the Prowlers are the ones with the stupid little thingies on their noses for, like, radar and shit. Wow. Cool? I Google this for you, people. For you fucking aircraft nerds. Ugh. Oh.
1: More than what I would have done.
0: <laughs> well, we still have more bullet points to go. There are catapults on the ship, which I immediately was like, Cool! Launch shit! No, that is for the airplanes. Do not yep. make the mistake that I did. That is to catapult <laughs> airplanes, not large rocks. There's also four aircraft elevators. A full complement is between five and 6,000 crew members. There is not a full complement on board at this time. At this point, Rachel checks back in and asks, what makes it go? And the answer is two nuclear reactors, four steam engines, propellers, maybe some other shit. Weapons, you ask? Why, that would be a NATO sea sparrow missile system with two launchers, eight missiles and each, I guess, and uh, four... 20-millimeter phalanx CIWS mounts. What's a CIWS, Cassie asked? Glad you asked, Cassie. It's a close-in weapon system. The whole ship apparently provides a forward presence, which is aggressive, aggressive did, presence, I guess. Did yeah. any of this matter? Um, Here's what matters. The fact that you know that there is a ba, 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 a Tomcat on board because those can be outfit with nuclear missiles. Yes, um, okay. It's important to know that there are Sea Sparrow missile systems with two launchers, eight missiles each. It's important to know that there are the Phalanx CIWS mounts because those, I believe, are the ones that include the Gatling guns. So know there's a Gatling gun on board. Know that there's missiles. Know that there's like 90 fucking aircraft.
1: But like, even if it hadn't been mentioned here, like if it came Mm -hmm. up later I, I wouldn't have been like, oh, you didn't mention there were Gatling guns. Like, I don't know. You'd be like, yeah, of course there's Gatling guns. I just, ugh. I super could have done without this chapter unless unless it had been like a little more visual instead of just like Jake being like, let me read you a book on aircraft carriers. Ugh. Well,
0: that, so I think this was a for two reasons. And you're totally right. We could have edited this chapter out and it wouldn't have done much at all to the plot. Like we know most of these things are here. If you say like, oh maybe this kind of plane, or I think it looks like this. But I think the point of this chapter was to show us that Jake. Think about the first time they were on a ship. Yeah. Where Jake had to like, how many knots is this? How many? blah blah blah. Like I think it's trying to show us like how far we've come. Yeah. Since the first time we were on a ship when we didn't really no knots to hours and we were kind of like guessing when we could push dolphins off the side of the ship to this where like jake comes into battle he knows what's going on he knows what he's seeing he knows why it's there he knows what it's for yeah um and then also i think it was just to overwhelm you with descriptions so you understand like how much shit is going on sure (laughs) so I, like, I could have done without, like, reading off this bulleted list, which really I just did for any, like, eh, sea nerds that like planes and shit. Like, I think it was really more just to, like, get us to realize those two points. Which probably could have been done more effectively, but I'm not complaining because this book is only 118 pages, which yeah, is true. way short. That's So,
1: true.
0: if this was, like, 150, I'd be like, well, you could have cut that chapter and, like, saved some space. But it's only 118 pages. Yeah, and that's eight pages of notes I have.
1: <laughs> well, I do appreciate uh, that Jake like got on board and he's like, oh, yeah, I know everything. <laughs> like that was a very good kind of character moment.
0: I, I liked it simply for that. And there's probably an easier, less like exhausting way to cover this. But I really appreciated that Jake did this. And I also think it may have kind of been the author a little bit being like, look at how much research
1: I did. Yeah, that's that's what bothered me, I think. Like, Jake <laughs> could have done one or two lines where he pointed out, like, the exact model number of the planes or whatever, and we would have been like, oh, Jake knows his shit. That's cool. But, like, it just yeah. kept going, and I'm just like, I don't care, though. <laughs>
0: <laughs> See, I liked it. I thought it was, like, a funny... I thought it was funny that it kept going. Ugh. There's so much. There's a lot. There's so much happening. Uh, yeah, but then, like, the only important thing happens in this chapter, which is, like, where after Jake lists his bulleted list of all the shit that's on the ship, Axe goes, and by the way, like, while the Air Force will most likely claim responsibility for that crashed ship, we've just alerted the Yerks that we're here, and there's gonna be an increased awareness on this ship, so everybody be ready. And Marco's like, are you saying that this mission is now more dangerous than ever? And Axe goes, yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Uh, Jake and Marco notice there's a bunch of sailors that are standing at attention in dress uniforms. And moments later, a helicopter shows up, which, by the way, did not bother looking to see whether a helicopter could fly this far out because I didn't care. <sighs> there's several people that get out of this helicopter and right before their eyes in full military uniform, Chapman hops out. We
1: haven't seen him in a while.
0: He, he Never. I haven't seen him in thirty fucking books since yep. like the first Helmicron's book. I feel like God. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. Uh, Jake doesn't hesitate. He says, "Follow them." And Chapman's in the o- and ugh, and Chapman and the others enter the ship. They take off, trying to find a way to get below decks. And finally, somebody spots a vent shaft. One by one, they fly into it in their seagull morphs, and they wind up flapping around hallways below decks. Sailors are chasing them and yelling and freaking out, and the team is flapping wildly in this dead air, trying to get somewhere to hide. They go screaming down hallways, down another, like, shaft that's open, more sailors appear, Rachel poops on one of them, and finally they make it into a massive laundry room where they go shooting past a sailor desperately trying to shove all of the clothes into a washing machine and it's just not working, and they land in a pile of laundry to demorph. And my MVP is the sailor on laundry duty that sadly cannot fit all the clothes in the washing machine. (laughs) (sighs) Um, Axe knocks that poor guy out, and Marco makes him a pillow so he's comfortable. I think they feel guilty. (laughs) That's sweet. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) That is so sweet. (sighs)
1: Um,
0: And then Axe goes to his pilot morph. They steal some clothes. Of course. And he puts all of the other Animorphs in his pocket. They morph to roaches. Axe now takes the time to mention to us that he has become an expert on dressing like a human, even though he hates it. (laughs) Uh, And then he goes wandering the corridors, trying to blend in. We learn about knee knockers, as Jake calls them, which are some beams that seem to randomly jut up
1: out of the floor. I don't know. That also doesn't really come into play later. Which I expected it to. It's like, why would you mention this if you weren't going to have somebody, like, trip on it later? Just
0: just to build the ambiance. Well, maybe it was so directly after that, Axe could mention very proudly that he did not trip one time.
1: But we all know you're a graceful, wonderful boy.
0: Not in human morph, though. He's a wacky boy in human morph. That's true. He's a wacky boy. <laughs> um, and then Axe also mentions the lack of light, which is something that would be totally unacceptable in an Andalite ship. I agree. I cannot see... Yes. Uh, finally, after walking for what seems like miles, Axe hears somebody talking about the hangar bay and how the captain was there, and Axe thought speaks to Jake and is like, how do I get to there? And upon his arrival, because Jake directs him there, uh, he goes to the back of the crowd and listens in inconspicuously until Chapman asks Captain Plummer, Christopher Plummer, <laughs> to speak to him privately because he brought a gift to alleviate his boredom at sea. Ew really, I know the way I wrote Sorry. it was so gross. Oh no! And like in the book, they like they're like alcohol. Uh, uh, uh. I wrote it down. And I was like, this sounds like he had brought like some sort of weird sex gift—a big and box I- of porn. A big box of porn and a flashlight. Oh God, I hate this. Uh, <laughs> but no, they brought something else that was wet and slimy—a urt. <laughs> I literally skipped four lines to do that to you.
1: Oh my god. I'm so upset. No. I skipped four
0: lines of plot to do that to you, Casey. Thank you. Thank you. Oh. Oh. Sorry. Oh. Um. There's a whole other thing. They follow the group back to the where they go to speak privately in the captain's quarters and Axe slips some cockroaches into the captain's pocket. Very clumsily, he has to apologize to the captain for tripping. Cute. Once they're in there, Axe sliders in the hallway. Soon enough, there's a problem. That's when they busted out the yerk pool. And I skipped all of that to make a <laughs> terrible, horrible thing out of my mouth. Perfect. <laughs> so Jake says, get firepower. Get the fuck in here. And they just start demorphing in the hallway in full view of anybody who had come here. And there's a few sailors like around, and they're just like, "Go for it!" And as they start to go to battle morphs, they they two sailors come upon them who get like all fu- freaked out, and they run off. Once they're morphed, axe slices through the lock of the door. They run into the room. It's chaos in there, like, Chapman has told Admiral Carrington to get down, but Carrington is just, like, waving his arms, like, you won't ruin the plans of Vizzer 1! Yeah, he sounds awful. Um, and Admiral Carrington, we find out, is Visor 2. The battle ensues, there's gunshots and slashing and clawing, and then somebody tips over the yerk pool, and, like, the Captain Plummer got infested, but his two sailors were- on the couch passed out, and two more yerks come flooding out of the pool, so they've saved the passed out dudes from their fate, and Jake says to Axe, lead them into the hallway because we need more space, we're going to get slaughtered in here, so Axe moves backwards out of the door, and that's when they realize that there are more sailors on the way with weapons because they want to fight and protect their captain, they have no clue what's going on, and Axe warns Jake that, hey, in this situation, any non-controllers will be destroyed, and Jake is like, get the fuck out of here, bail. So Axe runs out of there with Cassie on his heels. They duck into another room down the hall. They slam the door behind them, and it's like a cartoonish character where everybody just goes running past the door. (laughs) (laughs) There is one guy in this room who they quickly stun and tie up. Axe morphs back to the pilot, takes the uniform from this guy, and puts Cassie in his pocket as a cockroach again. Axe remembers Jake saying something about the CIC being on this floor which I meant to write down but didn't. Something, something center. Central Intelligence Center? Sure. Sure. This is where everything's controlled. Control something? Something I control? It's a center where things are controlled from. Yay. Anyways. Yay. And Axe is like, that's where we gotta go. So they start walking down the hall where there's armed guards now standing every so often on high alert. And Axe starts hearing the whispers of rumors of what's going on around the ship. And like, oh, so-and-so said there was a tiger. So-and-so said there was a giant blue deer thing. Crazy. And so, doing this, they find their way to the CIC, but there's no way to get in without a pass. So they just casually kind of walk past of it. Then a lieutenant walks out, and Axe is like, okay, I have a plan, and he privately warns Cassie, I'm about to ambush someone else. And Cassie simply says, do what you have to do. (gasps) Cassie. (laughs) Cassie. Axe follows the lieutenant until he gets a chance to knock him out, and Then he does. And he takes his uniform and acquires this guy and morphs him.
1: (laughs) Fucking knock somebody out, take their clothes, rinse and repeat.
0: Yep, pretty much. That is what they do. But it's probably one of the better plans to keep switching who you are and where you are. And, like, you know, you're not bringing heat to any one person. Yeah. So it's actually pretty smart, I think. I think, in my limited mindset.
1: Yeah, and like I know that the uniforms are supposed to be like really important because they grant you different levels of clearance, but like God, it yeah. must be annoying.
0: Yeah, and especially like you know, Axe mentions like, "Oh, I'm an expert on dress now," and it's like, but like there are rules about military clothes that I I couldn't even begin to comprehend. Like,
1: yeah, you have to wear things a certain way and
0: mm-hmm. stuff like that. But he seems to do a good job, I guess. He's a good bully. And I imagine it's different, too. Like, when you're not in dress clothes and you're just on the ship, it's probably a little more lax, I would guess. Maybe. I don't know. Well, I should stop saying things that I know nothing about. (laughs) Someone will correct
1: us. Don't (laughs) worry.
0: Perfect. (laughs) Uh, So Axe heads back to the CIC. They immediately grant him access because he's this other guy now. And he walks in to find Visor 2 and the captain and a radar technician. Matt, the radar technician. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, God, I didn't even <laughs> Kylo Ren has an eight pack. Kylo Ren is shredded.
0: I saw Kylo Ren in the shower the other time. <laughs> oh, man. Sorry, that cracked me up so good. Much. <laughs> Would you stop yelling at me? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, anyways. Um, so, yeah, there's the radar technician in there. <laughs> And uh, (laughs) the radar technician is very confused as he announces there are two Chinese missiles headed towards the ship. Oh, God. Three minutes from impact. And Axe realizes that three minutes is the first time that they had recorded with these exact coordinates. And the technician is really disbelieving. And Axe is talking to Cassie, like, who are the Chinese? And she's like, "They're, they're a people. They're a nation. And he's like, are we at war with China? Or, like, is the U.S. at war with China? And Cassie's like, we are not. And then two blasts rock this carrier, and reports of damage start coming in to the ship, and it's like, oh, there's, you know, this area's been hit, this area's been hit, and the first death toll is five people dead at the one blast site, and we're about to hear how many dead at the other blast site, but Cassie interrupts and asks, what the fuck is happening, and Axe tells her the Yerkes just constructed World War Three. Oh, no.
1: Ah.
0: Yeah. Um, So Axe speaks out, tries to find Jake, and Jake is very far away. In fact, he says, we are nowhere near CIC, uh, but they're able to hear each other just barely. And he orders Axe to acquire the Admiral and recall the planes. They have to stop World War III. And Axe says, this is impossible. And Jake goes, I order you to do it before cutting out because of the distance. The room was already in chaos, so Axe stepped up to a Marine that was guarding the door, grabs his arm and fires it into the admiral's leg. And then he starts wrestling the guy to the ground saying, he shot at the admiral. And the room erupts into chaos. And all of these people are like jumping at the Marine, knocking him out. There's like medics rushing over to the admiral. And they're saying like, we have to take you out of here. We have to get this wound looked at. And the admiral's like, no, I can't leave. And they're like, we have to. So they start taking him away. And as the two medics assist him into the hallway, Axe just steps out and follows And by some dumb luck, nobody questions this. Axe lets Cassie know what's happening and that when they had the chance that Axe was going to knock them out the medics and, like, take over the Admiral. And he does as soon as he gets the chance. And Cassie, at this point, takes the time to demorph and run off. And Axe is dragging the Admiral into a closet, screaming about, like, you know, you Andalite unhand me. How can he drag a grown
1: man with his weak little arms? Or is he still I don't a man? Know. Maybe at this he used his
0: tail. I think he was still a man at this point. Oh, okay. As I said, maybe he uses his tail. No, but I think he was still a man at this point. Gotcha. Because I think um, that he starts demorphing in the closet because then he hits the Admiral with the flat of his tail gotcha. blade and then acquires him. And, cool. Yeah. So he acquires him, takes his clothes with the bloody pants and all, and he marches back into the CIC and orders them to recall the planes. Everybody's like, wait, what? What the fuck? Why would we do that? Um, But he issues the command again. And then when Chapman starts saying, what are you doing? He goes, I'll report you to Visor One as a traitor. And Chapman just goes super pale and shuts the fuck up.
1: Yeah. Shut
0: up, Chapman. Yeah, Yeah. Shut your fucking mouth, Chapman. Oh, man. Okay. So. The captain and Chapman were surprised with good reason as they made it to the admiral's quarters, and that's because in there, they found the real admiral in his underwear with a zoo of animals. Axe forces them into the room. I know, it's pretty cute. Well, not the admiral in his underwear. That's gross, but the animals are cute. Yeah. And I like Tobias sitting menacingly (laughs) on a high shelf. (laughs) Axe forces them into the room, and they shut the door, and Rachel blocks it with her grizzly bear morph. Yay. And Axe... She's so badass, okay? Her. Rachel in this book is fucking amazing. Yes. Axe started to question the real Admiral, who at first wouldn't answer and, like, very ridiculously puffed his chest out, even though he was mostly naked, <laughs> but, like, it was so funny. Um, but he finally gives up the master plan. They did stop the Chinese sub from being nuked by the planes, which... China would have seen as an unprovoked attack, but it didn't matter because the US ship was attacked and in two hours, detailed reports of this attack were going to land on several important figures' desks, and at that point, the world war would still be declared. About this time, somebody starts frantically pounding on the door of the quarters saying several ships have been visually identified but they are not coming up on the radar, and then the admiral starts like, Laughing, And this whole time, all of the animals are like privately buzzing back and forth to each other about how this admiral is just nuts because the guy's like, ha, ha, ha. you can't fool me. And like he's in his underwear strutting around a room saying like, it doesn't matter what you do. We still are going to win because our plan can't be stopped. Muah, ha, ha. Yep. I won't tell you the coordinates of the submarine. Wah. Like the guy's nuts. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the guy's pounding on the door saying there's several ships visually identified, they weren't coming up on the radar, and this is when the Admiral's like, there are several bug fighters on their way here, and then laughed at them, saying, do you think you can fight your way out of this one? Ha ha ha. And then the ship was rocked by explosions. The bug fighters were firing on them. Another explosion hit the ship right above them. Axe fell to his knees and puts his arms over his head to protect himself from whatever falling metal he could. And this room has just like filled with smoke and crumbling rock. And as it starts to clear, they realize the Admiral has gone missing. So the kids run out into the hallway and start scrambling up to the deck to try and find him. And they realize they have to get to the heart of this battle as well. And Jake and Cassie ran up first with Tobias hovering over top of them. Rachel is like looking at the door like fuck I'm not gonna be able to get through but somebody saw Jake and Cassie come out of there and they shot at the staircase so suddenly the top of it's blown wide open and Rachel's able to just bound up onto the deck and before Axe's eyes is the most intense battle they had yet seen. There are people firing on one another. There are people firing on planes. There are hork jumping out of these bug fighters onto the deck. (sighs) Things are on fire. The Gatling gun is firing. There is smoke everywhere. And they all split up. Marco's like, I'm going to go try to get the anti-aircraft guns to try and stop them from firing on the planes that Axe had ordered to turn back around and land. So Axe is feeling pretty not good about that. Um, Axe heads off because he's going to find the Admiral. Rachel had already gone because she's going to go fight the Horkvazir and try to take them out. And the others are all engaged in these various battles. And Axe is kind of moving around the deck trying to figure out where the Admiral had gone, where to go, when a controller comes at him and spits out Andalite. And he just reacts because the guy is jumping out at him. And all it says here is, there was one less controller. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, I think this is our first, like... Very clear. He's dead. Yeah. Above him, the planes that he had ordered back were starting to come into view, and they're getting shot at and destroyed, and the wreckages of them are dropping into the ocean, just these twisted piles of metal. And that's when Axe realized Marco had not made it in time. Another controller tries to sneak up on Axe. Axe just slices his hand off and sends him tumbling back down these near-vertical staircases. Axe takes another look around as Marco is running back towards him... And he notices that all of a sudden there's these humans that are, that are fighting back with them on their side. There's, like, men fighting with Rachel, who's fighting these hork berserkers. They realize that, like, hey, we're on the same side. Aww. This guy comes running past Marco and Axe, and he throws them this quick salute, and then goes and joins the fight. Aww. And Marco goes, did you see that? And Axe goes, well, perhaps aliens attacking made the Earth animals seem not so confusing. And Marco goes, yeah, maybe Rachel told them what she really looked like and promised them all dates. Marco! (laughs) (laughs) At this point, Cassie is thought speaking to everybody. She cries out that this is horrible. They have no clear idea of what to do. This is just carnage. And that's when Axe goes, I'm going after the Admiral. That's the key. Marco went to go help Rachel and her new squadron fight the Horkbazur, and Axe spots Chapman, and at that moment, he
1: forms a plan. Oh, boy. (laughs) Dude, this whole fucking chapter is so cinematic. Like, fucking... Oh, my God. Like, if this were a movie, like, Axe would come out from below deck, and there would just be, like, this, like, slow-motion pan-around shot of just, like, everything fucking happening. It's so intense. That's
0: exactly what I pictured. Oh. That and like the smoke billowing across the deck. So you see like these different highlights of like little vignettes of like yeah. fighting over here, fighting over there. Yeah. You notice like a plane swoops in and you see the brrr, dr- 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 dr, and then like hits the plane, crashes into the ground. Like, oh, yeah. Fuck. This whole scene is super cinematic. And then the guy jumping out of the smoke behind him and he just like sweat, like, yeah. you know, tailblades blades them right across the middle. Yeah. Oh, my God. and then like that moment of such elation when it's like they're on our side Mm -hmm. finally someone's on our side like that's such a huge moment that could have happened to any one of the animorphs who were human yeah but it happened to axe first oh yeah oh it's so good it's it's no good, but it's so good. Yeah, I know it's
1: awful, but it's it's good. Like you know, oh, my God. it just and it just reinforces his whole you know thing with the Andalites versus the humans and not really belonging in either world and but like also kind of feeling accepted by the humans and now the humans are helping him and yeah, it's just ugh.
0: And the Andalites are, are not. not yeah, him. Oh, fuck
1: me, <laughs> Axe. I'll adopt you. Yeah, me
0: too. You're my best friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This scene is so intense. Yeah. Um and yet not as intense as the next two chapters. Yeah. X follows Chapman, who's limping away from him. Chapman goes below decks, and Axe needs to follow him, but he knows his own body is not good for going up and down stairs and stuff. <laughs> so he turns to one of the sailors nearby and he goes, Can I borrow some genetic material? And the guy was like dude, for sure, borrow away, and, like, holds his hand out. What? So, Axe acquires him, and then the guy gives Axe his gun, too, like, good luck. Oh, I love this guy. I fucking love this guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not, like, pontificating, saying, like, dude, for sure, borrow away. That is, like, a fucking quote. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm barely paraphrasing at this yeah. point. That's what the guy says. Oh. Oh, so Axe goes running below decks and he's running past these injured sailors trying to get cover and past people that are running past him to get above decks. And he finds Chapman, who's sitting alone in an empty room drinking coffee. Piece and of when Axe steps in, he's such a piece of fucking shit. Once Axe steps into the room, Chapman whirls around and Axe shuts the door and orders Chapman to tell him where the admiral was. And Chapman, like, is desperate and, like, goes, ah, and tries to throw his hot coffee at Axe, but Axe just draws the gun and points it at Chapman, and he's like, I will shoot you if you do not take me to the Admiral. Axe then enters this totally internal struggle where he goes, of course I had no intention of shooting Chapman, but... Chapman's the worst kind of yerk. He's an arrogant, power-hungry yerk who would do anything to get what he wants. And he's one of Visor One's biggest supporters. And so Axe kind of subconsciously cocks the gun because he's not trying to ramp it up just yet. But his temptation is growing Mm -hmm. to just shoot him and to get rid of him. And he's so angry at him and he hates him so much. He's like, I could kill this guy. And... I could just do it, like right now. And Chapman, like, actually gets scared. And at this point, somebody opens the door, hits Axe from behind, which sends him sprawling. Axe loses grip of the gun. Chapman scoops it up. And by the time Axe turns around, Chapman's pointing the gun at him and saying, Oh, I should take you as my own personal prisoner. And then Chapman shoots the gun at Axe. Oh.
1: I mean, Axe could have shot him in the foot if he needed to persuade him, but not kill him.
0: Yeah, but he was going to shoot him right in the heart. Right in the
1: heart, because fuck that guy. Fuck Chapman. Heads up, I have been gifted a sandwich.
0: This is not the moment in this book to eat a (laughs) sandwich, Casey. (laughs) Yeah. So, Axe was suddenly running across his homeworld. He saw his family, and specifically Elfangor, and that's when he jolted up. He was not in his homeworld. He was on the cold, hard floor, and he bolted upright. He felt ashamed that he had passed out, because it was not a shot that had hurt him in any way, it had just incapacitated him. Axe quickly went back to his own form and sliced his way out of the room. Someone tried to sneak up behind him, but he was being extremely cautious at this point, and he removed the guy's hand and continued on his way. Axe went along this eerily silent hallway, past the CIC where there was now no one, and further down... And he came to a room where Captain Plummer was on the ground, his stomach completely blown apart. And it was clear that he would not live to the end of this battle. X went into the room and ducked back as a Horquageur and human passed by. And Plummer called out to them and said, Take me further below deck. I'm one of you. And the human controller sneered at him and said, You're nobody. Your host body is done for, and you should try to save yourself. Once they had passed, Axe approached Captain Plummer and saw that the yerk was now crawling out of the captain's ear. The captain, now in control, starts going, What have I done? I tried to fight it. I tried. Aww. And Axe awkwardly comforts him, saying, No one will blame you. The captain reached out for Axe's hand, and Axe grabbed his hand back and held on to him and stayed with him to the end. Fuck. Damn. Hell. Yeah. That was like the most intense moment for me that like Axe would leave them and stay with this guy until he died. Yeah.
1: And the guy being like, I tried to fight it. What have I done? Oh my God. It's just, (sighs) this is all very bad. This
0: is extremely bad. Um, and as always, it gets gets worse. worse. (laughs) (laughs) So Axe heads back above deck and when he gets there he is witnessing an insane amount of carnage. Things have escalated since he left. There are draken cannons being trained on the deck and explosions everywhere. He's watching as things are just blowing up one after the other and the humans are retaliating with bombs and shooting back at the bug fighters and it was chaos. Someone starts calling his name and then an unknown person skids up to him and he raises his tail and the guy goes, Hey, hey, it's me, it's Tobias. I asked a, like I tried to ask a guy if I could acquire his, his body and he passed out, so I assumed he meant yes, and I shoved him in a closet. But anyways, I'm a catapult technician. <laughs> and X kinda like relaxes his tail and goes, Okay, like, that's probably a good morph to have. <laughs> so Tobias was also looking for the Admiral, and he tells, you know, this whole Stash in a closet type story. When they hear a strange noise starting up, and he and Axe both look over, and Tobias explains, "Oh, that's those are the the boats. Some sailors are launching lifeboats to try and escape." And he starts mentioning, "Like I think if they get to another ship, they'll be okay." But as they're looking out onto the ocean, they see one of these lifeboats filled with about twenty or thirty people, totally defenseless get fired upon by a dragon cannon and in a flash they watch all of those people die oh my god uh, and then they hear a noise behind them so they turn around and they see marco half carrying the soldier that had saluted them earlier ugh. as the guy is dying and axe thinks i had to i have to stop this i just have to stop this yeah. yep yeah yeah Help. he does <laughs> cassie calls out to axe And he sees her limping towards him with Rachel and Jake in tow, and they're exhausted and injured. And they limp up, and Marco tells them, you know, the Admiral's only a few yards away, and Tobias goes, well, what's the point? Like, he's not giving us any information, like, what are we going to do even if we get the guy? And Axe goes to Jake and says, can we talk privately? So he and Jake have an aside, and Axe goes, I have something terrible to propose. And Jake goes, okay, go on. And Axe explains that he thinks that the Admiral would only react to the mass annihilation of his own people. They need to target the Yerk Pool. And Jake goes, Axe, we, we can't do that. You can't ask me to order that. And Axe argues, it's millions of people versus only thousands. You have to see that this is the right choice. I and Axe is like, I have to make him see this. And Jake is horrified. Horrified, He goes, Axe, we cannot possibly do that. There is no way. And when Axe hears the horror and disgust in Jake's voice, he realizes that he's made a terrible mistake. And he apologizes. He goes, I'm so sorry. And then he knocks Jake at, out with the flat of his tailblade And he goes, I'm
1: so very sorry. Oh, my God. I felt sick at this point. I was like, oh, my God. Shit, my dude. There's like, oh.
0: This is so intense. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> Axe then calls out to Cassie and says, Jake was hurt. He's unconscious. And she leaves her post to go over to him. And Axe is sick with himself because Cassie trusts him implicitly. Doesn't question it. And Axe takes off towards the planes. He sees in front of him Visitor 2 nearing the wreckage of a plane and crouching down. And then there's nearby some other men who are on their side that remain holed up and firing on the Hork-Bajur when they could and one of them pops up to fire and gets hit and Axe calls out to Marco Rachel and Tobias and he asks for their help he goes I need to get the visor, we need two pressure suits and we need to get onto one of the planes that remains unharmed and he points out the one in the first catapult and I have to have visor 2 with me in the plane the three of them hesitate but Marco goes where's Jake And Axe goes, Jake is out of commission, and we need to act. Oh, God. And Rachel and Tobias are like, okay, let's do this. And Marco is like, whoa. What? Have either of you stopped to ask what he's going to do once Axe is in that plane? And then he points out that he had seen earlier that they had strapped a nuke to it, and that the Andalites had a tendency to destroy what they said they were trying to preserve, And at this moment, Rachel is stunned. And Axe mentions it's the only time he'd ever seen Rachel completely stunned into silence like that. (sighs) And Tobias realizes that Axe is not acting under Jake's command, but he stays neutral. And Axe goes, I trusted him to do what he felt was right. So then Axe has to make this plea to Marco. And he goes, I've not always trusted you, but every time you've proved me wrong. And he asks for Marco to trust him. And Marco just laughs and he goes, I trust you to be ruthless, but is this to save human lives or to pump up the Andalite glory? And Axe felt it stung. He hated that comment, but he goes, I am begging you, like, try to understand this has to be done. And he asks again, will they help for their people? And Marco just goes, I don't really see that we have a choice. (laughs) Rachel and Axe fight their way to the jet together, tossing aside hork and controllers who tried to stop them. Marco follows a moment later with Vizzer 2 in tow and a new gash across his gorilla chest saying, Sorry I'm late, but Visor 2's friends didn't want, me to, didn't want to come play with us. <laughs> Tobias is in position to launch the catapult. Rachel and Marco stuff the visor into a pressure suit and a helmet, and then Axe ties him up with his human fingers. They stuff him into the radio technician's seat behind the pilot's seat. There's no controls back there. This is a tomcat. I don't know if that's accurate, but that's what they (laughs) mentioned. And once he's secured, Axe gets into place and familiarizes himself with the simple controls. Marco worked as the guide to get the plane into position on the catapult, and then gives him a thumbs up with something like doubt in his eyes. Rachel then gives him a laugh and says, don't do anything I wouldn't do. But even so, Axe could hear this fear in her voice. Axe was ready to launch when he was aware of Jake running up to the plane, screaming, Axe, stop. But Tobias says, when you're ready axe launches it the catapult smashes him back in his seat and just full g-forces pulling at his skin pulling his mouth open they launch him off the end of the runway and once he hit flying speed it kind of calms down and he realizes that he was on his own totally alone i hate it it's bad axe flew towards the yerk pool and nobody followed them axe is calmly and coolly telling Vizzer 2 that if he didn't order the submarine to self-destruct, they would be dropping off this nuclear bomb, which was set to explode on impact at the Yerk Pool. Vizzer 2 raged and said, you would never, I don't believe it, this is, no, there's no way this will happen, and Axe just kept flying. And as they approached, every second they got closer, Axe's heart started hammering harder in his chest, and there was sweat dripping down his arms and he just kept approaching as Visitor 2 is going, there's no way you're going to do this. No, you wouldn't do this. And he just kept going. And he kept telling himself that 10 to 20,000 lives to save millions, it's worth it. They have to see that this is worth it. Mm. They continue on their way until finally, as they were almost there, Visitor 2 said, okay, okay. I will give the command to the submarine to self-destruct, but you have to let me go and Axe immediately eases off the controls and tells Visor 2 that the radio channel was now open for him. Axe listened as Visor 2 very angrily made the call and told the submarine to self-destruct. And then Axe turned around and as he flew over the woods that he had called home, he was relieved and horrified and worried. He had done something terrible that may have damaged his relationship with his fellow warriors and his prince. And he had, as Cassie would say, played God. And who was he to play God? They returned mostly in silence until a visitor two asked Axe if he would really have done it. Would he have nuked the Yerk Pool? Axe did not answer. He felt he had enough to answer for no. him. And that's the end of this book.
1: <laughs> no Yeah. Shit. So the thing that hit me the hardest was Oh god. What book was it? I think it was the one where they were protecting protecting Jake's dad. And mm-hmm. they kidnapped Chapman, and X had to like interrogate him. Yeah, and then he had that conversation with Jake being like, "This is too far. Like I hate this. I'm never doing this again. Do not ask me to ever do something like this again. And then you have this. It's just oh my God.
0: Yep, that line moves just a little bit further every day.
1: Ah, uh, And then, okay, so like, the moment where he's flying towards their home basically and he's like i i may do this like i may have to end up doing this and he seems like my heart was breaking that's when i stood like the tears started welling up in my eyes i'm like oh no
0: oh man see for me the part that hit me that i thought maybe it was when he was getting ready to launch and jake is running towards him going ax yeah. stop ax yeah. no and then he launches yeah
1: Uh, because like again you know everyone says like oh we don't have time to fuck around anymore we do whatever it takes and Mm -hmm. i guess that includes completely defying your prince
0: yeah but can it like because how long did it take them to trust axe and now axe has done this and like how far back has he moved?
1: Yeah, like he said, he, he probably just ruins all trust.
0: Probably. In his friends. like At least with Jake.
1: It, yeah. Yeah. and And he's willing to have that to save most of humanity.
0: And how complicit oh. are Rachel, Marco, and Tobias in this? Yeah. I mean, Tobias didn't even... He didn't freak out like Marco did. He wasn't shocked like Rachel was. He realized the situation and immediately made the call. Like, if we're going to assign levels of blame, which is inappropriate and we shouldn't, but let's do it. (laughs) Tobias saw Jake running as well, saw that go down, and still said, you're ready to launch.
1: And, like, how much of that was because, like, Axe is, you know, basically your best friend, and how much of that is, like, this means destroying your home, but you know you don't have as much as the others do like you don't have a family and and not, not to like be terrible but you know that's just no that's
0: and it's decision too. that like the source is really weird like if it was rachel it'd be like yeah because it's your friend and she'll do whatever like whatever for her friends no matter what She it's because it's her friend yeah. but it's tobias who is not as much as cassie but he's probably the second most moral character we have. Mm -hmm. So, like, what did he see that, like, Jake couldn't kind of
1: rectify? I mean, and did he trust that Axe wouldn't go through with it? Or did he trust that the outcome was going to be all right? Like...
0: That, oh, that's super interesting. Like, did Tobias always in his head say, there's no way that Axe will go through with this? And Jake saw something that said, yeah, Axe would go through with this. And that's what caused the disparity. And so... Each one of them was just saying, how much does Axe value human life? And depending on what they saw in him, that's what informed the reactions.
1: Yeah, because, you know, Tobias knows Axe a lot better than Jake does. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe Tobias has, like, the whole book is Axe having, you know, inner crisis about, like, humanity. And maybe Tobias is, like, aware of some of that. Like, he's aware of how much, like, Axe actually, like wants to help the humans yeah but Jake is still holding him you know kind of in the same regard as Marco it's like you're but you're not human you're an andalite and you're willing to make these risks like
0: yeah but like I don't know flip that a little bit and it's Jake saying no I know that you're very analytical and that you've done the math on this and so I know that you're capable of this and Tobias being more like that's my friend I trust that he wouldn't do anything wrong like so yeah it's oh oh (laughs) Mm -hmm. oh man that's intense
1: yeah and i wonder how everything is gonna change moving forward like i wonder how they're gonna treat x from now on like especially like cassie you know like i I'm, i'm assuming she would be solidly against that idea but also like maybe maybe she would understand why x did it i don't know like i'm just so interested
0: After the Tobias book where they were going to blow up a few thousand, I don't think there's any way she would be on board with any
1: part of this plan. No, no, no. But I'm saying, like, because Axe did it and everything was fine and he wanted to save humanity, like, would she respect some of that? Like, Mm -hmm. I want to see how Mm -hmm. she treats him moving forward.
0: (sighs) Or would she, like, Tobias never believe that he would go through with it? Right. Oh, man. Ah. (laughs) Yeah, that was a fucking intense book.
1: (laughs) That was like, yeah, that felt like one of the highest stakes, if not the highest stake book yet. Yeah. I mean, it was fucking World War Three. So, I mean, yeah, obviously the highest. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, shit.
0: Oh, man. (laughs) Like, I don't even know... Like, I don't know how to express any of this more intensely than how it was in
1: the book. Like, it was just so... Yeah. So much. It was amazingly well done. Like, wow. Mm -hmm. And do
0: you think Axe would have nuked the Yurk Pool?
1: I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to think about it. (laughs) My son... Uh, what do you think? I think he would have. Yeah, yeah I, I'm leaning towards that myself. Yeah,
0: I think he he did the math.
1: Yeah, and he was prepared to answer for it.
0: Yeah, and he was, in a way, like, when you see the whole betrayal of Jake from Axe's perspective, you know exactly where he's coming from. And mm-hmm. at the other end of that spectrum of knowing where he's coming from, it, it reads more of a um he once jake decided that he couldn't give the order axe took it upon himself to do it and make sure that jake could come away with his clean conscience. and that's really what it was about was making sure that jake's mindset was preserved and he was able to mm-hmm. move forward and not be like just destroyed by this guilt and axe was going to take that on for his prince Um, so in a way he was still acting for his prince. And so I I think he absolutely would have done it because he would have thought, like, no matter what happens to me, I saved my prince from having to do this. And I stopped this Mm -hmm. situation from escalating.
1: God, I really wonder how Jake's going to treat him moving forward. (laughs) Like, I feel like part of Jake's going to want to just, like, kick him out. Well... The
0: next book is a Jake book, so we'll know pretty quick. (laughs) Perfect!
1: Oh, 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 no. Yeah, I'm... God. Like, if I were Jake, I'd want to, like, kick him out, but also not quite be able to, because, like, he's still very useful.
0: I mean, he's useful, but, like, how can you order him to do anything now? Knowing that he'll knock you out if he doesn't agree with you?
1: Infighting is... That's the thing now.
0: Yeah. And not only that, but, like, Cassie didn't... Was the... Only one that did not have to take a stance during that argument. She yeah. was effectively removed from it. So, like, yeah. what's her perspective on everybody now? Because obviously she's going to be, like, on Jake's side. But Marco, Tobias, and Rachel, what the fuck? They basically threw their lot in with Axe to say, like, we believe in this nuke plan. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. It could cause a bunch of issues. A bunch of divides. Yeah. Oh, I hate it. I don't want my kids to fight. <laughs> what will Eric the Chi think? Oh, no. Well, <laughs> no one gives a fuck. Anyways. A- <laughs> Just kidding. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, let's write characters. Uh, What did you okay. think about Jake?
1: I mean, he was like primo leader in this book, and I liked him bringing his military knowledge because every time he does it I'm like oh you, you do kind of like contribute something to the team apart from being a leader and I, I, I respect that.
0: So how many stars though? Uh, five. Okay. <laughs> um, Yeah. No he was I agree with everything you just said. He was great and I for the probably first time in this entire series had a moment where like oh I see like a part of myself in Jake and that was when he knew everything about the aircraft carrier, but kept saying, like, "Oh, maybe. Or, like, I'm not really sure. And it's, like, no, I know all of the facts. I just don't feel confident enough to assert them dominantly in case I'm, like, off a hair. So <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was, like, yes, this is me. I always am, like, well, I think it's this, even if I know it is, like, for a fact. So, yeah, I, I love that. Uh, no, but, yeah, five, five stars. He was a fantastic leader. And I mm-hmm. so loved, like... I feel like in so many instances, Jake has to think about balancing what's right and like what he has to do and like considering everybody's perspective. And yet when Axe came to him with this plan where he just straight shut it down, said, absolutely not. I cannot order anybody to do that. That is too far. And I loved seeing like that gut reaction from Jake and that he's still not like just a mystic leader. He's like still a person. And I loved that view, so yeah. 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 Five. Five. (sighs)
1: Rachel! (laughs) Continues to be fucking amazing. So good. God, I just, I get so mad. Because she's fucking amazing in every book. And the only books I don't really like are in her own books. (laughs) And I feel awful about that. Yep. (laughs) Uh, But yes five because she was fucking badass i loved her her teamwork with axe and being a big old bear that can't fit through doors <laughs> um yeah
0: I'm, i mean i'm obviously gonna give her a five but uh i just want to kind of like backtrack throughout the whole books and say one of the character interactions that i didn't include was her and marco the entire book going at each other like Marco trying to like make comments at her and like there's one moment that made me laugh so hard when they were both seagull and like Rachel's like who gives a shit about your facts (laughs) and like then Axe goes well actually like having more information would be helpful in this situation and Marco chases her down as a seagull like eh Eh, eh, you he looks, wrong. Yeah, he,
1: it's like he strutted toward her and she strutted away. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God.
0: I could just picture that. It's so funny. Me, too. And like then acting like, oh, if Marco had eyebrows, he would be raising his eyebrows at her right yeah. now. <laughs> oh, my God. I love that. Um, oh. There was one line that really got me, too, where Rachel said something disparaging to Marco and Margot just goes, oh, I can't win with this girl. I don't understand how you can do this, Tobias. You must be a saint. And Jake just yeah. goes,
1: knock it off, you too. Dad <laughs> <laughs> is fed up with you. Yeah,
0: it's so funny. Like, the the whole book, the two of them, are just fucking on point, And I loved it. We needed
1: those moments to lift from the absolute despair and destruction happening around us. We did. We so uh, did. <laughs> little little breaths of fresh air there.
0: Yeah. They were fantastic.
1: Thank God for them.
0: Thank God for them. So Tobias.
1: I don't know. Because I mean, like kind of the big players in this book were like Axe, Jake and Rachel and yeah. Marco to some extent. So Tobias was a little pushed aside, I think. I, I, I mean, I do. I, I always love his his friendship with Axe like that. And I, I like the the thing we came up with, the theory we came up with, that he had trust in Axe not to nuke their fucking city. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that made me love him even more. But I don't know if that's true or canon.
0: so That's true. We just made that up in our own head. <laughs> <laughs> He's a difficult one, this book. Yeah. And especially because that the whole decision-making where, like, every single person was, like, horrified at Axe that knew what was going on, other than Tobias. That's... It says something, but I don't know what.
1: <laughs> yeah. Although I liked when he asked Axe if if Axe had made sure to make sure the program wasn't gonna <laughs> yeah. let the Yorks trace back to them, and Axe was just like, oh, please.
0: <laughs> yeah. Come on. Are you serious um, right now? Don't at me, bro. Yeah. And, I like, the best part about those interactions was how much you can just see Axe picking up on like earth gestures and earth sayings <laughs> and like oh it was so good like just the whole like slow it like his version of the slow head turn like what? and then Tobias being like sorry <laughs> sorry he's asking
1: he uh, like fruffed his feathers a little bit like oh sorry <laughs> yeah
0: my bad <laughs> so cute yeah But this doesn't leave us... Like, what do we give him? Like, we we loved him, but what do we do with him? I don't know. Five. It's our podcast. I don't give a shit. Yeah. I'll give him a five, too, because I love him. And that's my decision. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Uh, Okay. What about Cassie?
1: I I felt kind of bad for Cassie through the whole book, because I felt like... She was the only one who kept being like, But guys, remember, let's not be monsters. And everyone was just kind of like getting annoyed with her, ignoring her. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because at one point, like, she and Axe are are in the ship together, and Axe, like, does something to somebody, like, knocks him out or something. And she was like, Is he okay? And he was like, Yes, Cassie, he's okay. Yeah. And it was like, Oh, Cassie's just trying to be that person. (laughs) That wholesome person who doesn't want to cross any lines and everyone else is just like, oh, uh, we are so beyond this right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, shit. She's like the hardest one to pin down to because she was the one that I felt like didn't... She wasn't always herself. Like, mm-hmm. it felt like the author was like... Oh, yeah, it is important to have those, like, moral questions, but I want to get back to the action. So, like, just hurry through this part.
1: Yeah, like, they didn't get the proper weight that they deserved, maybe.
0: Yeah, and I don't want to say that this book should have been bogged down by that. Like, I don't think we needed every chapter to have that counterbalance, but I think we needed more of it. Yeah. Uh, And it's, I, my heart broke for her when she... Totally trusted Axe when he knocked out Jake and then goes, Cassie, he's hurt and she just rushes over like, Oh my god. Oh, oh I felt so bad for her.
1: I know. Oh I don't like it. Me either. I want to die. <laughs> I love them all. But I want to die. Yeah. Okay, I'll stop crying. No, don't I'll give Cassie a five.
0: I'm gonna give her a four. Not because I don't love her, but because I wanted more from her, which wasn't her fault. But I don't know. I'm just doing it. I'm just <laughs> I mean, doing she, it.
1: <laughs> she's kind of like Tobias. Like, she she wasn't a a star player in this right, book. Which right. is fine. But, like, you know. God. I feel like we're coming up on the moment, though. And I keep waiting for it to happen. I keep waiting for that shoe to drop. And it hasn't dropped yet, Alex. And you haven't talked about it in a really long time. And I'm just... I'm I'm like, we're running out of books here. <laughs> Ugh.
0: Ugh. Yeah, I'm, I'll say nothing. Okay. <laughs> Much like when you ask Paul Hollywood how to make this part of the cake, and he just looks at you with that look. <laughs> That's what I'm doing to you right intense now.
1: blue eyes. it's big blue eyes. That's ice. what I'm doing.
0: I'm just staring at you with my intense blue Whoa. eyes and that slight smile on my face.
1: <laughs> I don't like it. I mean, Axe has gone through a major betrayal character moment. I can only imagine Cassie's is coming up too. Everyone's gonna make a big thing. Everyone's gonna have a big pivot. But let's have somehow. an alternamorphs
0: moment here. Would you like a very vague <gasps> spoiler, or would you like nothing?
1: I would like nothing actually. Okay. Because I'm so curious and I want to know, but I okay. just I oh god
0: okay.
1: I'm assuming it's. Never mind. i'm not gonna you. say anything it doesn't, either it doesn't matter what you yep. assume
0: i'm not saying shit okay 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 uh um yeah
1: so what do we think about marco uh, uh, i loved him even though he said one or two bad things he <laughs> said
0: he did say one or two very bad things marco Yeah. We thought we had cured you of this, and then you did it again. Yeah. Marco. Marco. We talked about this, Marco. (laughs) You had your whole last book, and you didn't say a single bad thing. And we were so proud of you. We had so much fun recording that book, and then you did bad things again.
1: (laughs) But, you know, I don't know. Didn't offend me as much as normal. I think there was just a lot going on. Yeah, and they were very mild. Yeah. So. Uh, and he still was very much Marco. I think through the whole book, oh, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely yeah. God, the the end was so interesting though. When he figured out like immediately that X was acting not under Jake's orders, and he kind of, like, definitely called him out on it. Mm -hmm. But then he still went along with it.
0: Well, okay, so here's the other thing. He went along with it, but, like, he still was shit-talking the Andalites the whole time, and we have not heard Marco say some of this rhetoric since he and Axe had trust problems fucking a million books ago like we have not heard marco express this and all of a sudden it's like and it didn't feel out of place like it didn't feel like oh they're trying to drag this back up it's like oh this has been simmering under marco's consciousness this whole time and finally marco's like i fucking knew you were gonna do this again like i fucking knew it and now you're doing it and then like the analytical part of his brain is still like we have no other choice and i fucking hate it and i think you're wrong yeah like I, that whole conflict in marco was fucking amazing
1: yeah <sighs> although let's let's talk a little bit about the whole like comment about andalite glory yeah and shit because i'm like that felt a little bit out of nowhere for me but that's because we were in Axe's head this whole time and he was, you know, he kept making comments about humans and not not necessarily disparaging comments either. Mm-hmm. You know, he was saying, like, how much he's, like, starting to identify with them and kind of alluding to the fact that he might have to live with them after all of this is over. Um, <laughs> but so the fact that, like, Marco was like, oh, you're just doing this for the glory. I was kind of like, but no, though. I don't know.
0: That's, so I'm torn on that because that would be, like, I could see it kind of coming out of left field and him saying it and us being like, oh, that's not great. Like, why did he say that? Or was Marco testing him yet again and trying to push him into something? Or, like, like, I feel like it's within Marco's purview to, like, play those sorts of games by saying these things that are so, like, out of left field just to see how Axe reacts to it so that Marco can better gauge his intentions. Okay. That's so true. So I'm torn. Like, because I don't know if it's that, like, I don't know if the author went that deep or if they're just like, oh, they did mention this many books ago. Maybe we should bring it back. Like, yeah. Ugh, I'm torn. Hmm. I can't, I'm torn.
1: <laughs> um. <laughs> anyway.
0: No matter what the author's intentions That scene between Axe and Marco and having Axe basically pleading with Marco. Like, I, you have always proven to me that you are trustworthy. I'm begging you to trust me in this moment. Like, that was so intense.
1: Uh, No, I'll I'll save it for Um. (laughs) Axe.
0: We can talk Uh, about
1: Axe now if you want. Well, I think we have to give ratings. Sorry. We have to give stars. so we can move. I'll just give Marco five because... Because I love all the babies. Okay.
0: I'll give... Uh, I can't be the only... Cassie's the only four. What? Yeah. Because, like, she and Marco had the same amount of, like, problematic stuff. Like, I want to either give Marco a four or bring Cassie up to a five. You can do whatever
1: you want. Or you can <sighs> give them both 4.5s.
0: That's a good... Okay. Both 4.5s.
1: Okay. Okay. Axe. Okay, so what I love most about Axe in this book is that he's always been very intelligent before, and I love just getting his emotional side. Mm -hmm. And there was so much of it in this book, like the fact that he was just looking at this carnage around him, and the fact that he threw back to Megamorphs, where... That's kind of, like, the only other time he's seen carnage on that level. Yeah. And has been like, holy shit, humans suck. Oh my god, why are they doing this to each other? Mm-hmm. And I just, I loved kind of revisiting that part of him. And saying that, like, I I might kill several thousand people and I feel really bad about it. <laughs> I don't know.
0: No, I, I, I think I totally get what you're saying here. And I think a big part of that was, like, before... He made that big decision of like we have to like kidnap visor two and do the nuke plan. His he was just kind of like stumbling around the deck, like in again, yeah. cinematic, like when you see soldiers who are very disoriented in the midst of a mm-hmm. battle, but like he was just looking around at everything and he just kept saying, like, my hearts hurt. My hearts were bruised with the cries of the people that yeah. were dying. Like it was just such an unacceptable level of carnage. And especially for these people who didn't know about their fight, didn't know that they were the guerrilla warriors, didn't know they were under attack from aliens. And yet the minute they saw like these guys are on our side, they're your allies. And suddenly Mm -hmm. you have all these people fighting with you and you're already struggling with feeling like maybe you fit in here too well. And then you just get sucked into that. And like, oh, it was so... Good and then, like the desperation when he was pleading with Marco, that was another big emotional moment for him where he is like literally like I am bearing myself to you i like because he never yeah. says those things so bluntly, right he's always yeah, super analytical, so it was huge,
1: yeah, like the fact that he was pleading with Marco a human for humanity that was just like really really poignant, I don't know, yeah. Especially because, like, what would what would Marco do in that situation? Like, if, if this was up to Marco, like, what would Marco do, you know? He'd probably do the same thing. He'd probably say, like, you know, sacrifice a few to save many because that's how the math works.
0: Yeah, and I think that's what got to him in the end because, like, that's what he said. Like, we do not have the choice. Like, he, he was still bitter about it and still resentful. He still didn't want to do it, but he goes... Yeah we have no choice because he came to the same conclusion that Axe did. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Oh, my God. And, like, Marco, I, it's it's going to sound mean, but, like, he almost thrives on that, like, you fight back. He pushes you because he expects you to fight back. So when he pushes you and you give and you say, no, like, this is what it is, I, I like, he's really uncomfortable with that. And I think that's
1: why he and Cassie have – such
0: a weird relationship. Yeah. So like,
1: and why he and Rachel get along so well?
0: Yeah, exactly. And so like, when Axe, like, who would normally not necessarily push back, but at least like stand his ground, gave way and said, "Please, like, trust me." That must have been such a mm-hmm. huge moment in, for Marco too.
1: Yeah, I oh. I loved
0: the way you said that too. Like he had to beg Marco for humanity, beg a human yeah. for humanity. That's yeah, that's
1: great. I also thought a really sweet moment was in the very beginning when Jake is talking to the Andalite and saying, like, this is the Earth Resistance, and Mm -hmm. Axe was proud of him.
0: Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, Oh, that was, like, oh, that was so amazing.
1: (laughs) And it hurts all the much more knowing what happened in the end of this book. Yeah, and especially
0: Mm. because, like, he asked for Jake's permission to talk to his people, so it's almost like we swung from, like, you are listening to... Like, you're so invested in Jake. And then because he was so invested in Jake, that was his own downfall when he swung to the other side of betrayal. Yeah. Because it's like, you'll do anything for Jake. Literally anything. <laughs> hmm
1: Oh, fuck. Uh, oh, my God. And now Jake probably hates you. <laughs> there was another moment where... Um, like, early in the beginning when he was describing himself like and he says i'm an andalite cadet although i've seen enough shit i could probably be classified as a warrior and i was like yes you are definitely qualified (laughs) yeah
0: kind of like he read the handbook and he's like i have enough uh hours in my classes and credits that i could be a warrior now yeah oh i did love that he like ah i just i loved ax so much this book and i'm so fucking happy that his moments of vulnerability did not feel like they were out of character. It felt like yeah. growth. I am so glad that that's
1: how it played out. This this book just, like, further solidified why he's my favorite character. I don't know. Just I just love the weird, awkward position he's in and all of his conflicted feelings about it. And I... Uh, and, like... You know, I always say like my favorite parts of Ax are when he's being goofy and when he's like eating everything and blah blah blah. And it's not entirely true. Like there was absolutely none of that in this book. But I still just ah, he's so complex.
0: He is. I can't. I I understand Scholastic, but like. After reading this book, I can't believe that they thought that Axe and Tobias were not going to be compelling enough to have their own standalone position <laughs> in this series. Like, this is one of the most compelling books.
1: <laughs> it's so interesting because they're the only two that aren't, like, you know, the human experience, right? Mm-hmm. So did they think, like, oh, humans aren't going to be able to relate to a yeah. boy who's a hawk oh, and yeah. an alien? Oh, That's so- exactly what they thought. But, and now looking, I mean, it's
0: easier to look back with twenty twenty eyes and say, like, oh, you know, somebody who doesn't belong and has depression as well as, like, body dysmorphia and an alien.
1: Yeah.
0: Who could relate yeah. to that? And it's, like, fucking everybody. Every
1: fucking one. <laughs> uh, and not to disparage the other kids. I love the other kids. But, like, just the way that both of Tobias and Axe were written, just, like.
0: That oh my it's god, so fascinating.
1: Yeah. like all the characters are written well, obviously. But
0: I mean, they're they're all written well. But like, accent Tobias come from that place of not feeling secure in who you are and mm-hmm. trying to figure it out. And all of the other characters, I love that. Obviously, Rachel's my favorite. I relate to Rachel so much. But <laughs> Jake, Cassie, Rachel, Marco are sturdy in who they are. They never have those moments of like I'm unsure of myself and I'm unsure of this. Like they're traits are that they always know where they come from and they're genuine to themselves and that's just not relatable all of the time because everybody has the moments of doubt and confusion like yeah you know
1: (laughs) yeah like they all they all kind of know where they belong like they all have you know maybe with the exception of marco they all have like kind of stable family situations Mm -hmm. um and like, if you don't, then yeah, it could be hard to relate to. Especially Cassie has a stable family. Because <laughs> she lives in a barn. <laughs> oh, I guess. I was like, I guess. I don't <laughs> <laughs> it took me a minute. Because <laughs> she has horses. Oh my god. <laughs>
0: Second time I've done this to you,
1: today. <laughs> You keep springing these good, good jokes on me. <laughs> Fuck.
0: <laughs> I'm so can't sorry. Believe done this. I'm
1: so sorry. Anyway, X gets a five billion from me.
0: Five gold stars from me. For the
1: beautiful boy. God, I these books booked. are so fucking good. Right! Right I and- I can't like- believe I never grew up with this. I I'd probably be a completely different person if I had grown up with these books. Like a better person! <laughs> That's completely
0: untrue you could not be a better person you are amazing no but yeah and it like this is why it like kills me when it's like oh the starfish book and it's like but i know how good you could be (laughs) (laughs) or no the fucking helmicron second helmicron's book oh my god i had already blocked that from my memory
1: god (sighs) poor rachel poor rachel (laughs) rachel Rachel's the worst books
0: (laughs) it's not her fault but you know what? She is such a good character that through all of that, it she has never once wavered as my favorite. So yeah. that's how I
1: feel about And <laughs> <laughs> Animorphs books. This goes in my done folder. The, res- the Resistance. <laughs> the, re- th- wrong. the Resistance. There's two, there's two S's in resist- resistance.
0: I like Resistance. Resistance. The Resistance.
1: Is he a beaver? <laughs> yeah. Angry beaver. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> okay. It's not a morph I would have pictured for this late in the game, but.
0: That's okay. This is the funniest part, and I know you can't look them up, but like, there are some of the most insane covers coming up. <laughs> And, like, the weirdest choices for the end. Because, like, we were kind of ramping up, right? Like, oh, Tobias yeah. is a taxon, and blah, and it's like, oh. Yeah,
1: Axe is a human, and yeah.
0: Yeah, oh, he's a he's a beaver now. Oh. He's a
1: beaver. Oh, oh, okay.
0: Okay, I guess. Yeah, it's... that's
1: exactly how I feel. I'm yeah. Like, right. <laughs> what cool morph is he going to be? Oh, he's a, he's a beaver.
0: And then the book after that is Scott's favorite book cover. So Get do with that, that information in. what you will. Wait, you isn't cannot.
1: it Chronicles next?
0: Oh, yeah. Sorry. The next mates You cannot look at it, by the way. That Fuck. is the That is law. All right. How come Scott can look at it? He doesn't even read the books. Well, Scott just goes through my bookshelf. You know him. He can't keep his fucking That's hands true. to himself. Yeah. <laughs> Any last thoughts on this no. book? No. None?
1: I love my boy. The
0: end. I love your boy. I love your boy so much. Okay.
1: He's your boy, too.
0: He is my boy. But, like... Rachel is my girl. Axe is your boy. Like you know, you know. But they're uh, yeah, okay. You know. <laughs> uh. Anyways, so if you want to email me about this book and talk about how fucking amazing it was, uh, <laughs> or send me any pedantic facts about planes Aircraft or carriers. boats, <laughs> yeah, we're not <on> curious. <laughs> You can do that at anonymousanimorphs at gmail.com or you can find me on Facebook, which is uh, just Animorphs Anonymous or our super secret, super awesome group, which is facebook.com slash group slash Animorphs Anonymous. We're called the Andalite Bandalites because I don't know English. You can also find us on Instagram. See my shitty images at Animorphs Anonymous or Talk to us on Tweetor where we won't talk back at Animor
1: <laughs> Social media is hard. Yes. Um you can find our podcast on other podcast listening sites such as Spotify, Google Play, Pocket Cast Stitcher, Podcast Republic, and just recently, iHeartRadio. Oh wow. Wow. Cool. Tell me about your comic. <laughs> Uh, I have a webcomic that I write and draw. It is called Beside You. You can go look at that at B-S-I-D-E-Y-O-U comic dot com. I love it.
0: Yes. And I am a patron of your comic. And I saw a very, very good panel recently where everybody was very upset with each other in a car, but there was no words. But they were all <laughs> upset. And it said, let's talk about our feelings. And I was like, oh, no, things are going awry. And that is my story about being a patron of your comic. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, if you like comic books and you like Superboy, you can find me on our David friends David and Drew's podcast, Canvas to Crisis, sometimes. Uh, sometimes. And, yeah, I'm a very bad host. I know nothing about Superboy or Superman, so I ask a lot of dumb questions and do stupid voices. Huzzah! But it's very fun, so I keep doing it, and they keep inviting me back (laughs) for reasons I'm unclear of. (laughs) Because you're an
1: amazing person.
0: Because I'm a terrible host. (laughs) All right, let us get out of here, or I swear to God I will come to your house and nuke you.
1: (laughs) Wow. (laughs) (laughs) That's not where I thought that was going, but okay. I I will do it. <laughs> I'm I'm frightened and concerned and I'm comfortable with the aura we've created in this podcast.
0: Okay, bye. Bye.